0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: I've entertained, I've taken in some junk that I didn't need to do. I remember not, as I did it, I knew better. And that was a mistake. I've never done that again either. You know, I don't need to study that to know that they got it wrong. Y'all got it messed up out there, you know? Cause sometimes we'll spiritualize, but I gotta know what's going on. So I'm just investigating so I know how to minister better. Read your Bible to minister better. Pray to God to minister better. Don't go indulging in the world's junk so you can minister better. That's a mistake.
0: Because of Jesus, people can be saved from their sin. They aren't guilty of what they've done wrong. If you made Jesus your Savior, then that applies to you. Grace covers all you've done. Now, that doesn't give you permission to go sin, and Pastor Bill will talk about how tempting that could be you may think that since you're covered you can walk the fine line between god honoring living and simple temporary pleasure it's a dangerous road to walk instead you can choose a better life with jesus now here's pastor bill in the book of romans chapter 16 for today's edition of a transforming word
1: greet one another with a holy kiss the church of christ greets you now, obviously, in that culture, that was how they would greet people would greet each other. They would hug each other a little, you know, kiss. kiss. It was nothing freaky, nothing weird or anything like that. That was a common greeting. In some cultures today, Sicilian culture, some other cultures, they still greet you, and the men and the women both, do, and they do multiple kisses on the sheet. That's not what we do in California or in Inglewood. You know, we don't walk up and say, "Hey, come here, girl. <laughs> you do greet my wife like that. I'm gonna <laughs> greet you back." You know, <laughs> we don't do that. You know. But the idea is this, right? The idea is that we're showing, we're showing love to one another, you know? So within a church, this should be a loving environment, a loving atmosphere. We should love on each other and reach out to each other. It should be that way. When we gather together, there shouldn't be a feeling of, you know, all this distance and separation. There should be an openness. We're a family, the family of God. God is our dad. We've been adopted into his family. We're going to heaven together. And so when we get together... This should be a loving environment, a loving atmosphere. You know, I, I hug everybody. I hug the fellow who's up, oh, you know. When I hug, I hug women, but I hug them on the side. I hug my wife in the front, because women have some things in the front, right? But I, I, everybody else, if you're not my wife, I hug you on the side. I, hey, how you doing? Good morning. I, I show love. It's appropriate, but it's not weird. And I don't want nobody feeling weird. I don't want nobody's husband looking at me like, hey, brother, you know, pastor. <laughs> so that's just that's just being responsible, but... We still a loving environment, I want to be loving on people, so you know greet one another with a holy kiss. The word "holy" is key, right? Just sanctify there's nothing nothing weird here, but there's a sanctified love when the believers come together, and we should experience that you should you should leave here feeling like you've been loved on um shouldn't come to church, walk in. And walk out and feel like, I, you know, I hear a crazy thing. They looked at me crazy. Nobody said hi. I came in. I mean, we should come in and come out of here. And it's like, man, they, they, if I don't leave, they're not going to stop loving me. You you be, you might get beat up out in the world. You should come up in here and get loved on. Amen? So That means all of us need to do our part, though, right? Everybody here need to be loving, um, need to be pure, need to be a holy love, uh, sanctified kind of love. No weird stuff. If you do some weird stuff, I'm going to find you. <laughs> Anyway, so moving on. Verse 17. I won't threaten you on a Sunday morning, but I will get you. So verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren. Now he kind of gets to more of the weightier. So I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. So when he says note, it means to mark them, identify them. Some people have a problem or a hard time with you identifying somebody for their sin. You can't do that. So mean. you judge them, you point them out. But I want to point out that Paul said do this. This is not the only time in Scripture where it says to do that. There are other times where it says mark those, those false teachers. He says mark them. What do you do? What do you mark them? Identify them so other people know that that's a false teacher so they don't get hoodwinked by the same person. So here he says, note those who cause divisions first and offenses Two things. Those that bring division to the body, just note them, mark them. Some people, that's their problem. Some people come in and they divide. Satan's working through them. And some people will come into a body where people are loving each other and everything is just ooey gooey, Jesus and awesome. You have somebody floating through like, you know, telling lies, causing division. Sometimes the division. And I think what Paul is getting at, there's doctrinal divisions. They taught that. That's not what it says. Look at this. Look at this over here. We've had this here. Somebody come in with their own agenda and, and they were trying to pull people aside and teach them this little kooky thing they were going through. And, and it kept coming up. You know, I kept coming up in confusion. People are like, well, somebody just told me this, but then I, but you said that I'm confused now. And it's like I met one confused person, two confused person, three confused. Where is it's one common denominator? They All talk to, talk to that person. So I said, let me go sit down with that person. Maybe they have a misunderstanding. Real gracious, real gentle, met with them, talked to them, explained it to them. They understood it, showed them where they were wrong. They didn't deny it. And the very next day, they were at somebody else's house in their living room teaching the same stuff. At that point, my whole way I came at them changed. At first, it was like, hey, maybe you don't understand. I'm a teacher. I'm going to do my job to be gracious and teach you and be soft and gentle. Now I realize you stupid on purpose you teaching the wrong thing when you know it. It's one thing if you don't know and you tell somebody the wrong thing. That's a mistake. We all could do that. But when you know it's wrong, you got busted that it was wrong, and then you do it again, now you're doing it on purpose. So now I'm not coming soft. You know, I got my gloves on. And so, you know, not in the real, I didn't you know, I didn't hit nobody, nothing like that. But Paul says, note them, right, that cause divisions and offenses. Not just those that bring divisions, but if there are people that are in the body that are causing offenses. Some churches just let things go. Somebody be in the body assaulting women and approaching everybody and going after women. And they get late. you don't get to stay here doing that. You don't get to walk up in here and, and go after the women or say something weird to the kids. You got to go. He says, note them. on mark you. Hey, guys, everybody, need to, I, I, all my men need to know that that guy right there said some weird stuff to one of the kids. So they can't come back. And if you see him at the fence, leave him at the fence. Call 10 of us. But they can't come back. This is not my church. It's God's church. And so Paul said, hey, be careful, because, yeah, we want to be loving and want to greet each other with a holy kiss. You know what? You bring in some weird people and that all gets messed up. Now we can't have a loving atmosphere. We got people that are causing division and people that are doing offensive stuff. So how do you fix that? You note them and put them outside where they belong. Right. If you're not coming to learn to grow, you're coming to do some weird stuff Then you got to go. And so we need to know we need to be comfortable as believers to know that that's God, too. Some people think that's not loving. God just loves everybody. Everybody can just come. Everybody can come, but everybody can't come and do whatever they want to do. There are some rules. It's God's work. It's God's people. And it's done according to God's rules. And if someone is a violation of that intentionally, then they have to be dealt with. Amen. And so Paul's letting them know. He said, on my way out, I didn't gave you all the movie. He didn't said all the mushy stuff. He didn't talk about the beloved and all this. But Paul said, now I got to get real with y'all because it's some challenges out there. This is a war. And there are people that come in and mess up the good thing that we have going. Look now at verse 18. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. But their own belly and by the word belly there is they serve their own flesh, their own fleshly appetites. They're here for themselves. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. And that's who those people go after. They go after those that don't know a whole lot yet. Those that are kind of naive, maybe the new believers, those that are just barely getting in. That's who they all All the cults go after. If a Jehovah's Witness go to your door and you have a Bible but don't know it, you are the prime candidate. You are what they're looking for. If the Mormons come to you and you own a Bible and believe in the Bible, but you just don't know it, you're what they're looking for. When they show up at your door and you have a Bible and know it, they're on their way out and they'll mark your house and they won't come back. I got to go outside and be like, hey, over here, any help? I had them tell me that there was a group walking by and they were like, they're speaking perfect English as they're going. I'm like, hey, I want to, you know, talk to you guys. Whatever. We're looking for Spanish. They told me we're looking for in perfect English. We're looking for Spanish speakers. So imagine that I'm out sharing the gospel and I walk across somebody of another group and they were like, hey, can you tell me what, what are you sharing? No, I'm looking for black people to talk to. That's that. Can you imagine that? That's what they did. They said, we're looking for it, so y'all don't want to talk to me. I can't, we can't have a conversation. What you believe is that I'm, you know, but that's what happens when what you believe in don't include hell. You know, there's not a real urgency. I believe that people are going to hell, so I don't care if you're green. You need to know what I know. I need to share it with you. So but anyway, moving on. So we we want to be mindful that those things happen and God wants us to be equipped and prepared to deal with them. So verse 19. Paul, again, speaking to these Christians in Rome, for your obedience has become known to all. So the, the character of this church in Rome was that they were obedient. Your obedience has become known to all. What a great testimony for a church that they would have the testimony that they're an obedient group of believers in their walk, in their lifestyle. That's a great testament. That your obedience has been known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf As any Christian pastor, apostle would be, Paul, I'm so happy to hear that. That is such a great testimony. But he says, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. This is really important here. Paul says, look, I've heard of you guys are obedient. Your obedience has been made known to all. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so happy to hear that about you guys. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple or innocent concerning evil. Paul says, I want you to be wise in what is good. I want you to, if you're going to give yourself over to the study, if you're going to get involved, you're going to know something, know what is good. Be aware of that. Study that. Be mindful of that. Be strong in that. But be innocent of what is evil. Sometimes what happens is there are people that are very lightweight in their knowledge of the truth and experts on all the other stuff. And it's like you wonder at a point like, you know, you need to spend more time over here and, and what is good. And even though we're going to do something, we're going to spend some time looking at the Jehovah's Witnesses and studying how to minister to them. We, we spend the majority of our time in the truth, in the word of God. So that's the main way we need to spend our time. Um, they, they talk about how the bankers uh, learn how to identify false money or counterfeits. And they say they haven't handled real money all the time. If we handle real money all the time, once a fake comes along, you'll touch it like, that, that ain't right. That ain't this ain't real. They just can feel it. You know, they're so busy handling the real money that they just know the fake when they touch it. And so we want to be so familiar with the truth, so aware of the truth of the word of God. That when we hear something false, you're like, that ain't what the Bible say. I've been through all the Romans. I'm going through Corinthians. I have been through Revelation. I done been, That's not what it's saying. You know that you want to we want to be in that place, not in arrogance, For our own spiritual health, it it behooves us to be those that know that that's why we're going through the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, not taking little bits and pieces of books and confusing y'all. You know, I could take the Bible and take a bit and a piece here and there. I can make it say whatever I want. I could make this book say that, you know, I mean, some weird stuff. You just take enough pieces and put it together and people be like, it was in the Bible. It was out of context. So but you know how hard it is to do that when you read it in context becomes very difficult. To do that, you got to be a real wicked person <laughs> to, to, to contrive that. And so we study it in context. In doing so, I feel like you, you get the flow of the book. You heard the things he said before, what he said during. Imagine that my wife wrote me a letter, and three page letter, and it was intro, and it was some meat in the middle, and an ending letter. And imagine I picked it up and went to two sentences on page two, and just read those. And maybe she was just giving an illustration of something. I read those two sentences and and was all bent out of shape. That's that's a mess. I'm not reading this letter, you know. Um I, I gotta if I'm gonna understand that letter, I gotta start at the beginning. I gotta hear the greeting. Hey baby, how you doing? I was gonna tell you things, and we gotta get all that. And then I gotta get to chapter two, page two, and get all in the, you know, and then by the time I get done, I got the whole thing. I know it, you know, and I understand what that that two sentences was. She was given illustration about this this other thing, you know, whatever. But God's word, many of the epistles, that's exactly what they were, letters. Romans was a letter. So I couldn't take Romans and say, hey, we're going to study two chapters of verse 1 and, and, then a, and a little bit of 7 and a little bit of, it's a letter. We had to go through the whole thing, and now we're at the end of it. And that's the way you study the Bible so that you don't get confused and so that men don't get to manipulate it. We're just going to read it in context. They're, they're, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a topical study here and there, but it's a healthier diet of the word to be going straight through. And even in your personal Bible reading, go straight through, go straight through the Bible. Read, read a whole chapter of all, you know, go through a whole book, every book, every verse together and and see what God is saying to you. So Paul said, I I want you to be wise in what is good and simple or innocent concerning evil. Some people feel like I got to I got to really study what's going on in the world so I can know what's going on. No, you don't. You already know the world is bad. It's jacked up. I made that mistake one time I was I was at a church and I was just kind of getting involved in doing stuff with the youth. And they asked me to do something on music, and a friend of mine was like, "Man, you should, because um, I haven't listened to any of the current music that was going on." He said, "Well, you should really listen to some of the stuff that's out there, you know, so you know what's going on." Biggest mistake I ever made. It was it was a mistake. I didn't need to know that. I already knew it was bad. Now you know now. I've entertained. I've taken in some junk that I didn't need to do. I remember as I did it, I knew better. And that was a mistake. I've never done that again either. You know, I don't need to study that to know that they got it wrong. Y'all got it messed up out there, you know, because sometimes we'll spiritualize. I got to know what's going on. So I'm just investigating. So I know how to minister better. Read your Bible to minister better. Pray to God to minister better. Don't go indulging in the world's junk so you can minister better. That's a mistake. Be excellent in what is good. Be innocent in what's evil. Amen? Amen. All right. Verse 20. And the God of peace. Here's the promise. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And as we're excellent in what is good and innocent in what is evil, as we're walking with the Lord in this way, God says, look, the time is coming. It's shortly coming where the God of peace is going to crush Satan Underneath your feet. Our enemy will. We're in a battle. We're in a fight and we're battling with evil right now. But God just reminds them in the midst of that, that the enemy is assumed it's going to be crushed under your feet. He's going to be defeated. And so we're fighting a real foe, but we also are fighting a defeated foe. And that is what we have to look forward to. Our victory is assured in Jesus Christ. Verse 21. This is now the beginning of that second group. And these are those that were with Paul. So. Timothy, my fellow worker, everybody knows Timothy, we went through the book of 1st and 2nd Timothy. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith and someone that Paul really felt like, man, I could, Timothy is, has my heart. If I had to send somebody in my place that could really represent how I feel or what I want, Timothy was that guy to Paul. Paul's, I have nobody else like him. So Timothy, my fellow worker, Lucius, Jason and Sosip, uh, Sosipater, my countrymen greet you. Again, these names, these are people that were, were with Paul here. If you want verses, I, I'm, I'm going to move through them real quick. Jason, it may be the same Jason mentioned in Acts seventeen five. Maybe, maybe not. This Salsipater may be the same one mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Gaius, who we're going to see in verse 23, might be the same person mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. Some of these we don't know. We know these first three were his countrymen. They greet you. Verse 22, I... Tertius wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is the author of the book. Paul is the one that's, I guess, transcribing it, this, or speaking it. This Tertius guy is the one that's transcribing, writing it out. So that was kind of Paul's thing. He had an issue with his eyes, we believe. And so many of the books that were written, they were from Paul, but someone else wrote them for him. So yeah, someone transcribed it. So, so the other guys aren't named, but this guy is named. So this thirdiest guy who wrote this epistle, he gave himself a shout out. He was like, "Hey, I wrote this epistle, holla!" You know, he want to make sure you knew the Holy Spirit put him there, but he's in there. Verse twenty three: Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you, and Quartus, a brother. So. Erastus, he was the treasurer of the city of Corinth. You read about him in Acts 19, 22, 2 Timothy 4, 20, places where he's mentioned that. And Quartus, who just is a brother in the Lord. And he ends, he begins to end here, verse 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And Paul always opening up with grace and peace. He's wrapping up here. He says, man, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And grace is such an important part of our relationship with the Lord, that we would really understand the grace of God, the the unmerited, undeserved favor of God that we entered in through grace. We continue to walk with God through grace and we we can look forward to the end because of grace, because I never deserved it. I still don't deserve it and I'll never deserve it. But I have it because of Jesus. When you understand grace, you should should just make you a gracious individual and it should make you a very thankful individual. No matter how far we get along in our walk with the Lord, and maybe we're having great success, and we're, we're doing well, and we're having victory over sin, and, and we're just thriving and doing great, still, grace. Remove grace, and I am nothing, and I have nothing. It's grace. And so that'll keep us from becoming arrogant believers. Some people get going in their walk with the Lord, they get a little ways, and then they become cocky like they did it. Grace will keep you grounded. And so we just need to be reminded of that often. The grace of, Jesus, Paul, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Don't forget, it was unmerited favor of God. God looking on you when you didn't deserve it and loving you and dying for you and receiving you and saving you and taking you to himself should just make you a thankful individual. And it should give a lot of hope. Right. Because I'm looking at people that need God and maybe they're not doing anything to reach out to God themselves. But I'm saying, but God, God's gracious. Right. He reached out to me when I wasn't looking for him either. And so I'm looking at people and they may be messing up bad and doing really bad. But I know that God is gracious and I pray for them, God. But just because you're gracious, would you reach them? Would you reach out to them where they are? Would you you know how to speak their language? Would you speak it to them? Use me if you would. Grace should make us gracious. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen and this is a this benediction he said a mouthful and I'm going to highlight it real quick to him who's able to establish you Paul says, according to my gospel. Well, who did Paul get the gospel from? Directly. He, Paul got the gospel directly from who? Christ. Jesus Christ himself, right? So, Paul, when Paul says my gospel, I just want to clear that. It's not like he made up a gospel and was like, this is my gospel. The gospel of Mark, James, I mean, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and then, you know, Paul. You know, he's the, when he says my gospel, it's the one that he received directly from Jesus Christ. So, when he, he says that, because as he went different places, people were coming with another gospel. Paul said, no, the gospel I preach to you guys, believe that gospel. He told the Galatians, anybody come and preach another gospel other than one you heard from me, let them be accursed." And the Greek is anathema, which means to be damned to hell. Paul said, anybody come to you with another gospel other than one I preach to you, let them be damned to hell. What gospel did he preach? 1 Corinthians 5, you know, 1, 2, and 3. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That according to the scriptures, Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross for your sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and rose three days later. According to the scriptures, that's the gospel. Those that believe in that will be saved. The death, the burial, the resurrection, Jesus doing all the work for you and for me. And so Paul says again, now unto him was able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. But now made manifest. And so this mystery he's speaking about is no longer a mystery. It's been made known through the prophetic scriptures. Now there's no mystery. There are things that Old Testament saints didn't know that we know. They knew that the Messiah was coming. We know that the Messiah came. We know that the Messiah died. We know that the Messiah is coming back again. And we know that we need to be ready for it. Amen. That's not a mystery to us. It's a mystery that's no longer concealed. But it has now been revealed through the word of God. We know that the Lord is coming back. And we're to be ready. We want to be living ready, walking ready, ready for him. But now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith that God wants us to be obedient. And last verse to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. This is what Paul ends with. After all that I've done and after all these great people I've mentioned. After all the people I've shouted out and acknowledged them and all this, notice what he says To God alone, wise be glory. All the glory, all the glory goes back to him. That's how it's supposed to be. He acknowledged people, acknowledged what they did. We know what he did, but Paul says, All the glory goes back to Jesus. May we serve till we're whipped and tired, like we talked about. May we serve to exhaustion. May we give of everything that we have. May we, may we go all out for the Lord, but when it's all said and done, may we do it in such a way that he would be glorified, right? You don't want to serve in such a way that when you're done serving, all that's seen is you. That's it. Jesus said, do your good deeds before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. That is the goal of all of our service, that God would be glorified through our lives. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the Book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome, drawing on a rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter four, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything he had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to CalvaryEnglewood.org. Once again, that's Calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.